0: Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau, as well as the rest of the team of Lucasfilm, have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Brian Gon and I are recording this week's show on Sunday, March 5th. Two thousand twenty-three. Since we last recorded an episode of looking at Lucasfilm, three new episodes of Star Wars: The Bad Batch have become available for viewing over on Disney Plus. We had the Crossing, which debuted on February fifteenth, the Retrieval, which was uh, really the second half of the story that started in the Crossing, uh, that debuted on on February twenty-second. And then we had metamorphosis, uh, which premiered on March 1st and really upped the stakes for Omega. But, Brian, let's be honest, nobody cares about that, or at least is not as enthusiastic as they should be. No, no because
1: the baby yoda
0: show there we on. go though the season three of the mandalorian debuted on the bad baby bad baby there we go yes <laughs> inappropriate hugging yeah <laughs> but yeah that debuted on on march 1st and all that star wars now want to talk about is that show and where it seems to be headed this season quick aside if purgles aka The Space Whales are going to be part of this interconnected Star Wars limited series universe. Brian, it's got to be official on Star Wars Ahsoka. We are now going to find out what became of Ezra Bidger. Uh, Because think about it. That's season four of Star Wars Rebels ended with Ezra and blanking his name. Uh, Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn. Yes, being being dragged off. And we, we already saw I want to say in season two, that episode with Ahsoka, where is Thrawn?
1: Well, it's it's something too, because Mm -hmm. Thrawn and Ezra are far away, correct? They're probably far away. Mm -hmm. They're probably not in the same universe that everything else was happening. Mm -hmm. So that could be what Lucasfilm wants to Mm -hmm. do, is make up a whole new thing going on someplace else.
0: Interesting idea. So
1: this could be part of that, too. Like, um, I think Filoni just said in an interview, Mm -hmm. uh, which we'll probably talk about later, Mm -hmm. but basically he said things are happening all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I think Ahsoka is going to go away from what Mandalorian is doing Mm -hmm. and bring us back into the Rebels and maybe even their own kind of area. That
0: could be cool. That could be
1: cool. yeah, Yeah, because then that could be if you're gonna widen the universe Mm -hmm. you do it with that then you you do the high republic Mm -hmm. and now you've got this whole thing that you're going to put together and you're not going to rely on just this uh, skywalker saga
0: well we have some news related to the galactic star cruiser which we'll get to in a moment and we'll talk more about the mandalorian and the bad batch in the second half of today's show but First, the news, and as always, the news portion of this week's Looking at Lucasfilm is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, so again, we were just talking about The Mandalorian, and very smart way to promote the fact that Season 3 of The Mandalorian was back on Disney Plus on March 1st. But did you see where Mando and Grogu showed up at the Florida version of... Yeah, and it was crazy. People
1: went nuts. Uh Now, did they announce this? Because it looks like a lot of people were there to see Well,
0: I want to say the news broke that it was happening a day or so Beforehand, And yes, it, it looks like a lot of folks made a point of being there, especially, to, it was kind of a day of the locust moment, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, It yeah. got real close there, uh, but a lot of social influencers, Well, especially the, the video that I mm-hmm. saw, it re- actually looked like
1: the guy was in a wave. Mm-hmm. I mean, the camera kept on moving up and down mm-hmm. and back and forth, and you would see glimpses mm-hmm. of Din and mm-hmm. Grogu, but then it panned over to this little girl mm-hmm with with her um uh, grogu which i think was getting as much love as the other one so it was it was it was really incredible mm-hmm. to see the love for these characters and what's going on um with them
0: we only found out on september 11th that the d23 expo in fact it was john Favreau himself who stood on set stage that said mando and grogu would be appearing, but again, he, you know, and in fact, they I, they didn't specifically list the date till later. It was going to be November of 18th of last year, but they'd be debuting at Disneyland Park. And they had the same craziness out there. In fact, what was kind of interesting with those characters, those walk around characters for the park, they actually had to bump up the sound level for the interactions because there were so many people crowded around that people just couldn't hear what mando was saying but at that time you know when people ask oh this is cool when is this coming to florida and the initial explanation is well it's not because the belief was that with the florida version of black spire outpost this is not only an area that's open to guests who are Vacation at Walt Disney World, visiting Disney's Hollywood Studios, but it's also a key element of people who've booked passage on the Halcyon. That right. two day long cruise on land aboard the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Because one of the day trips mm. is there we go.
1: a trip to, to Batuu. To Batu and it's not in the same time frame. As Yoda or as um,
0: Grogu and Dinjar. Well,
1: uh, and another
0: thing that was explained to me was the fear was that when people are planet side from the Halcyon, it's a two-day long experience, and they're supposed to be right. planet side for five or six hours tops, and they have all of these tasks that they're su- the mission. That's exactly they're supposed to complete that then impact the storylines that they have back on the starship. And the worry was that people were gonna say, ooh, there's Mando and Grogu. (laughs) And I, well, I have to get a picture taken with them because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And so it's like, we can't do that. So is it just
1: um, Mando and Grogu? Is uh, Boba Fett and Fennec Shan are they there too? Or is it just, is it just to promote the, that the Mandalorian has started again? Because they did get a lot of press. They did,
0: they did. If you noticed uh, at Disneyland Paris in Discoveryland, the Mandalorian also appeared there, starting on Wednesday. Now, mind you, it's it's a much shorter window of time there. They're only supposed to be in the the French Disney park through the fourteenth of March. The, the phrase is before they head off on another mission. But it is fascinating that they're now in Florida. You know, because in effect, this is at this point all about giving people what they want
1: and it is all about the money too just think of all of the baby yoda stuff that they're going to be selling in
0: the gift shops well it's interesting you bring up money february 24th it was revealed that walt disney world cast members were being offered a 50% off discount on selected uh two night cruises aboard the halcyon For two adults, it was going to be $2,490. For two adults and a child, it was $2,670. But now, if you combine that with the info that came out back on January 19th, when it was revealed that several voyages aboard the Halcyon that had been previously scheduled for the summer, the dates were July 4th, 12th, 7th, August 1st, 7th, 15th, 27th, and then in September, the 4th and the 12th, had been canceled. And that was supposedly because of low booking levels. Right, and they consolidated
1: them on the other days that were open.
0: What's very interesting about the Galactic Star Cruiser is that you interact with members of the crew, and they suss out whether or not, okay, you know, are you... A fan of the First Order? Are you you helping out with the rebellion? And that sort of thing. And it, they help sort of steer the storyline. And what actually is going on this summer with this? Because what's interesting is if you look at that, you know, the sailings on the 4th, the 12th, the 17th, or for that matter, uh, the 1st, the 7th, you know, they're relatively close together. And the notion is that, the entertainment team may be using this downtime on the halcyon to try out a new storyline oh wow they've done a lot of survey work and ray and kylo ren aren't really moving the needle when it's revealed like oh you go on the halcyon and oh you get to interact with You know, I mean, Chewbacca, but, you know, Kylo Ren will show up and and Rey will show up. And it's like, well, that's nice. But when can I see Mando and Grogu? Okay. To circle back to uh, your earlier question about, well, what about Boba Fett and what about Fennec Shand? This may be what's going on here. We may be seeing over the summer during this time when, you know, the, the intergalactic star cruiser goes dark for a number of days. This isn't so much about low bookings as it is, let's see how we go about giving the people what they want.
1: Well, not only that, if you go on the cruiser, right, and you have the storyline, you've had it. Mm -hmm. It's like seeing a movie There we right? Now, some people would want to come back, but now if you give them the choice of this is going to do, you'll you'll get to see the honeymoon couple. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll get to see Luke and, and Leia and Han or you get to see Grogu and stuff like that. People, it would bring, in, I mean, if it wouldn't be that hard just to switch the sets and switch the characters, then you're going to get people coming. Like when you go on a cruise, on a, a regular ocean cruise, it's never the same.
0: It's worth noting that the one-year anniversary of the, the launch of Star Wars Galactic Star Cruise, it was actually this past week, Uh, the very same day that the newest episodes of The Bad Batch and and season three of Mando got underway, March 1st. So if they could get a second storyline going, and then it would be, oh, do you want Galactic Star Cruiser Classic or do you want the Mando adventure or, you know, and... To be able to offer different scenarios, you know, to bring back folks who've already done the previous scenario, I mean, it it is a very interesting idea. And remember, there is still a component of the Walt Disney Company that very much wants the Halcyon to be the first of a series of on-land cruise ships. Right. They had supposedly already had conversations with both Disneyland Paris and Tokyo Disney Resort about getting their own uh Star Wars themed hotels with a uh, you know a voyage experience but again
1: would it be all Halcyon or would it be other voyages would it be other um star cruises that could be cool too because then you'll have a small group of people who will go around the world to these different cruises
0: this is true but i think at this point we are in a you have to <laughs> skywalk before you can run situation You have to prove that the first one works. Okay. This kind of circles back on on Disneyland history. Remember back in the late 50s, early 60s, Walt and his original team down in Anaheim learned the hard way. It's like, look, around Christmas, over the summer, we can run this place seven days a week. We can run it from 8 o'clock in the morning to midnight. But in the fall and in certain weeks during the spring, you know, it just doesn't make sense to keep this place open on Mondays and Tuesdays. And so they would run from Wednesdays to Sundays and just a five-day schedule. And that's kind of what I've been hearing from the folks at the resort to the effect of, we're going to take a closer look at an operation schedule. We're going to vary the storylines. The company's invested a lot of money in this. They wanted to work. But
1: how, how does, with the cast members, how does it affect them? I mean, now here they were getting four days, now they're going to... Well, actually, no, you can't work somebody seven Mm -hmm. days. So if they're just working them five days,
0: then that's, you know... It's a two-day long cruise experience, but these people have to be... I mean, it's not a question of you can swap out the captain, you know. It's it's just sort of like the captain I've been interacting with this whole time. So they are there for the whole 48-hour long experience.
1: Yeah. No, no, then that that makes a lot more sense to... And it, I think it's a great mm-hmm. idea. I mean, you know, then you consolidate mm-hmm. what's going on. But then there's always people who, well, I can't make mm-hmm. it. So maybe they just have to, you know, they have to make a big deal out of it, though. So people know that um, it's going to be offline or some kind of Star Wars thingy for the first few days of each week.
0: Let's put a pin in this and revisit this idea in a okay. few weeks, because remember, Len and I are doing our thing yeah. with the Storybook Destination folks aboard the Halcyon, tail end of March into April, and at least then I'll be able to, to talk authoritatively about what it's actually like to be on board this thing and do the, the missions over at Batu.
1: What if you would ask the captain or, or one of the crew, I hear you may be going on different voyages? Do you think they'll have a
0: a set line for that here's the thing the, the people who are coming to do this with us they're paying big bucks and it's and it's one of these yeah. things where i'm i'm kind of approaching the whole thing with sort of a Hippocratic Oath approach, it's like I'm not here to throw monkey wrenches, I'm not here to do right. any harm. I'm, if anything, that's one of the things I'm trying to figure out how to thread the needle on is to make sure I don't do anything that prevents people from having the best possible experience on this thing. Well,
1: what I want to find out too when you do this, find out how many people have done it before. Mm-hmm. And how being with you and Len, how that changes, because it may be it may be a good thing to know mm-hmm. that okay, we had a better time because you know here we we were with Len, mm-hmm. who is what's his character?
0: Oh, Hank Lonely.
1: Hank Lonely, and then we have the Lonely Jedi mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. and and these guys made it, better. because when you're with a group mm-hmm. on a tour. Things do get a lot better, especially when one person is irritating you and, or another person is someone you, you want to, you know, walk on the beaches with. It, it's a different experience to be on a cruise when you're with a group. And I would love to hear what this good, because I don't think
0: anybody's done that. Have they? I do not know. I mean, that's the thing. The Halcyon's only been doing this for a year this week. Right. But everybody's on their own.
1: They don't go with a group like you go on a tour group of Europe. This is like, this will set precedence, I think.
0: Like I said, let's put a pen in it. We'll talk about it the next time. Okay, <laughs> back to the Mandalorian now. Now, you, you mentioned the day Filoni, I guess, was speaking with folks at ET Online, and he had well, news about... ET and everything, um,
1: they're out there, or Filoni's out mm-hmm. there, and the main thing he's talking mm-hmm. about how it's a group mm-hmm. process how he started with George Kathleen came up to him Kathleen wanted to bring him into the live action set him up with JJ Abrams set him up with Ryan which um Ryan basically held his hand and showed him all about how to you know the different lenses mm-hmm. the sound you know, where you place the camera or where you could place the the many cameras. And then she connected him with John. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there as who's doing what Mm -hmm. and John Favreau and Filoni, they're saving Star Wars. Well, it's all a group effort. Mm -hmm. And I think it seems to bother Filoni and Favreau so much that they're out there saying, we couldn't have done it without JJ. We couldn't have done it without Kathleen. We couldn't have done it without even Ryan. And they're trying to make it like it's not us against them. Mm-hmm. It's us figuring it out this whole thing. I mean, and then also, of course, he goes out there and he... For when goes out there and he drops little bombs mm-hmm. and stuff like...
0: Eventually, Grogu is going to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also made sure to mention that this is not going to be Yoda too, right?
1: No, no, it's not going to be... See, the whole thing was Yoda was... um Raised in a, an environment mm-hmm. where everybody talked that way, and then when we saw Yaddle um, a few episodes ago That's on right. Bad Batch, right. Yaddle, mm-hmm. of course you know talked like she was English aristocrat. Mm-hmm. So Grogu will speak mm-hmm. like the Mandalorian speaks. Mm-hmm. So he may have that stilted, mm-hmm. very monotone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's around the Mandalorian he's around the armor armorer he's around mm-hmm. you know night watch those people talk mm-hmm. very distinctly interesting point
0: okay all right i like that i and 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 (laughs) thanks for for making the connection to Yattle there now uh, 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 it's worth noting mr favreau is is also out making the rounds also promoting mandalorian season three in fact uh he put an appearance this past week on jimmy kimmel
1: oh that was great wasn't that wasn't that amazing the way he was talking about everything that he did. And you know Kimmel's a big mm-hmm. fan of Favreau's. Oh, no doubt. Because yeah. when Kimmel first started his show, mm-hmm. he used to have guest hosts. Mm-hmm. And Favreau was a guest host for, I think, two weeks. And um, it was great. great. It was really funny. And they, they're really close. Oh. So John gets in there and just tells him all bunch of stuff, including... Mm-hmm. John said he wants to, mm-hmm. I don't think he said it in this interview, mm-hmm. but he did, did say in another interview that he's already looking into season five.
0: You discovered, Favreau has stated that, what,
1: season four? Season four is beginning October um, of 2023, but he wants to go on forever. Mm-hmm. He goes, there's enough stories mm-hmm. that we can never stop. And he goes, I'm, a, I'm already thinking about five, mm-hmm. yet four is written. Mm-hmm. We know what's going on, and we're going to start in October. Okay. So, okay. There, so he dropped that. I I don't know whether he was supposed to or not.
0: A number of folks out ahead of the debut of season uh, three of The Mandalorian were given access to a number of episodes. But you're given the privilege of seeing these things early, but right. you got to respect. The embargo and the—I the, want to say—the embargo for episode two of the Mandalorian season three got broken the day that episode one dropped. Yeah. I mean, people were, you know, already talking about. Well, it's it's a much longer episode. You know, episode two is and it's a much better episode.
1: But they didn't—they didn't drop any. Um, they didn't give away anything. There was just it was—it was like, what is that package under the Christmas yeah, tree?
0: Yeah, I know. Since November of nineteen
1: seventy eight. Oh, shivers just went up my spine okay. like somebody like a dead thing just crawled up okay. my okay. the back of my spine. Well, you
0: know, there there were thirteen million of us who who saw this thing in real time. The the Star Wars holiday special, two hour long on CBS. Wow. We all know what George has said after the fact th- I mean I, I love that, that quote from him, you know, to the effect of if if I could get a hold of every copy that oh, was yeah. out of this thing that existed, I would destroy them with a hammer. You know, I mean he, d- Well it's just weird though.
1: It was uh, ironic about it. It was based on something he had written down. This is true. And it's it's just funny because all these pe- all these writers, they were all comedy writers, they were all um, variety show writers, they took what he wrote down and they made it into something I don't think anybody would have thought of.
0: Perhaps you're curious why Brian and I are talking about this at this point. <laughs> well, the infamous Star Wars Holiday Special is now the subject of a film. Uh, the film is called A Disturbance in the Force. And it will be having its world premiere at South by Southwest, well, next week, March 11th. The perfect place, the perfect place for it. It's directed by Jeremy Kuhn and Steve Kozak. And Kuhn, uh, you know, for looking at Lucasfilm fans, he's actually the uh, best known for the documentary Raiders Exclamation Point. The story of the greatest fan film ever made. Right. Whereas... Kuzak, he's got an amazing, a very lengthy television career. I mean, he he worked on Whose Line Is It Anyway. He's The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, which which perhaps explains the amazing set of folks they've got to comment on this thing. You know, I mean, when you look at the laundry list, it, it, it's Seth Green, it's Weird Al Yankovic, it's Paul Scheer, you know, who, by the way, is a fan of the thing that Len and I do together. Uh, Terry Killian, Don Dunn- oh, cool. and and... The late Gilbert Godfrey.
1: I know, isn't that gonna be wonderful yeah. that we can hear Gilbert how how Star Wars and how the holiday special mm-hmm. changed his life? Uh, and also, mm-hmm. see, here's a it's a here's a name that not a lot of people know of, but you should
0: Bruce Valanche. Yes, yes. He was one of the writers on it. We're about to come up on uh the Academy Awards and yep. people even today, speak of, of Billy Crystal's years of, of hosting the Academy Awards and how amazing that was. But a lot of that was on the back of gags that Bruce Valash wrote. Right. And Brian uh, made me aware of the trailer out th- that's out there for Disturbance in the Force. And the filmmakers, Jeremy and Steve, did a really, really smart thing here. In fact, you were alluding to it uh, when we started this segment, that the people who wrote... The star wars holiday special had been recruited out of the tv variety world of the 1970s and what they do as part of this is give you enough footage i mean for example that they show a clip of the epic length star wars uh, production number that they did in the donny marie show where was Lucas himself who provided the costumes, right? I mean, well, you not know, only them- for
1: that one, but also the Richard Pryor one, where Richard uh. Pryor goes into the bar. Actually, he's the bartender, and he there starts riffing to, uh, mm-hmm. about every character that's in the bar, yeah.
0: the Cantina, and most yes you know, the, yeah, the the, cantina, all of the monsters yeah. there.
1: Yeah, and, and it's just—it's just. I think it happened on those two shows, but I think it was happening everywhere, even. Uh, almost every sitcom would have a Star Wars story or joke,
0: storyline. Well, you know, I mean, face it, the film was huge, and and in fact I'm really looking forward to seeing A Disturbance in the Forest, because one of the more interesting aspects of this is that nobody thought Star Wars would become Star Wars. Right. You know, this thing that would be running in theaters for a year and become you know not just a successful film but a piece of pop culture and you know a hugely successful toy line and and launch theme park attractions and series of films and television shows and that sort of thing. What's fascinating about the Star Wars Holiday Special is it was one of the very first things out of right. the gate. And and uh, let's also remember, you know, for um, as much as it's made fun of these days and looked down upon, uh, remember this is what brought Boba Fett, you know. Uh, yeah, that, okay.
1: that was bizarre too, that mm-hmm. they did that and then they brought him into the live action Um, Mm -hmm. just like what Filoni's doing now.
0: This is true. This is true. And and speaking of of Mr. Filoni, this coming week, uh, we have Bad Patch Season 2, Episode 12, The Outpost, and we have Episode 2 of Season 3 of The Mandalorian, but that's all dropping on March 8th. But before we talk about those shows, we need to talk about the, the episodes that have come before. So when we get back from this break, Brian's gonna walk us through uh, what was particularly uh, interesting about the most recent Bad Batches and the debut of season three of The Mandalorian.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news, what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member
0: FDIC. Brian, you were talking about how what's really cool about the Bad Batch is there was a phrase when we were growing up, you know, back when televisions had knobs and there were only three channels, but there was this thing called Appointment Appoint-
1: TV. Appointment there we television. Go. But even though we can watch it whenever we want to, we can watch a Bad Batch* whenever we want to. We there are still a lot of people, and I am one of them, who wait up. And mm-hmm. but it's better for me because I only get it, I get it at twelve a.m. You get it at three a.m., don't you?
0: Which means I see it the next morning. But you know, I mean, I again, I am keeping abreast of of *The Bad Batch* because again, I'm. I'm I've been loving how this particular season played out. And in fact, I'm sure as we discuss these, these episodes, you, you've been watching the chess pieces oh, move yeah. into place. I mean, you know, and again, it, it, and, and there are lines, the effect of, you know, well, if you ever need a thief, it's like, okay, you know, yes, thank you, Chekhov's gun. <laughs>
1: oh, there is a lot of Chekhov's guns in this. I mean, there's a whole arsenal.
0: Well, there we go. Okay, I mean, so, to... so well the
1: first one in this um the first one we're gonna talk about and the second one is the crossing and retrieval. Now they didn't announce it, but they are continuing episodes. So they're one you know, it's two episodes into one. But they did a good job of separating them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, basically, you know, it's uh, have we heard of Ipsium before?
0: I want to say yes. Okay. I, in fact, I want to say it came up this season. Okay. But, but not, not before, not where.
1: not anywhere, not in the trilogies mm. or anything like that like and and then not only that but you know they get it in raw form and they have to refine it. So I don't know what the heck it really is. I mean it looks like, you know, a some kind of radioactive um TNT or nitroglycerin mm-hmm. or something. Ooh, wouldn't it be mm-hmm. great if they did something like Wages of Fear with this stuff?
0: Oh, God. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're showing my age to this day. The trailer for that William Friedkin film. Sorcerer. The, 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 the Yeah, the one image of the truck on the swaying bridge in the rain. It's weird how you can boil an entire film down to one image. But I I see that and it's like, I know a film that is, and holy cow.
1: Well, not only that is, okay, we had the two episodes, and when they get the Mm -hmm. ispium, and then metamorphosis, it's not even mentioned. Mm -hmm. Do they still have it? Do they give it to Sid? I don't think so because there's they still haven't seen Sid since they were on um, the, the mining planet. But anyways, basically mm-hmm. what it is is we're introduced to Ipsium, we're introduced to Mines, we're introduced to Storms, and we're also introduced to a new group, um, mm-hmm. basically Oliver or Oliver Twist. Mm-hmm. These kids are working for this creature, this, he's like a Fagin type of creature or guy.
0: An overseer of the mine right. who's clearly holding back, you know, the, the profits and and starving the kids and really taking advantage of the situation. Though so on a parallel track, you mentioned Sid, right? And it seems the Sid not being a nice person arc in season two—they're hitting this one hard. Yeah, especially since
1: didn't she like say to them several times? Mm-hmm it's Mm -hmm. because of you that I'm not Mm -hmm. dead. And now she's still going after him like they're her playthings. And now Mm -hmm. they're getting a little irritated by it.
0: They are, they are. In fact, there was some discussion on this most recent episode about if we're going to break things off with Sid, we should probably do, in fact, you know, isn't that the whole point of the Metamorphosis episode? Let's do one more job for her. Let's, you know, do a big score and then we'll all politely step away. And as
1: I was watching Metamorphosis, this little theme in the back of my head, dun-dun-dun, 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 dun they've turned into the A-team.
0: But here's the thing, we saw the first episode and how Omega is really taking it hard right?
1: The Echo.
0: Yeah, that Echo stepped away. And that, you know, the rest of the Bad Batch, these guys are are used to that. You know, they've been clones and they've lost friends. They've lost compatriots. But at the same time, at the end of uh, Metamorphosis, the whole notion of get this info to Rex, you know, he, he needs to have this. It's kind of Animal Farm, you know. All, all animals are equal, but you know, then the, the, there were some, some are that more are more equal, equal other, than others. others. Yeah.
1: Well, and then also about the crossing and retrieval is they get into a predicament that it mm. wouldn't have happened if Echo mm. was there, because they're not—they're not a hundred they're percent. They're—they're missing a piece, and because of it, they're not gelling. I mean, the their spaceship gets. You know, kidnapped mm-hmm. because yeah. they're not a a cohesive group like they used to be,
0: given the way that metamorphosis ends. you know, you had the Camino Prime minister show up at at uh, the facility where the the creature that that we discovered as part of this episode is now being stored. And one of the Camino scientists from the uh, the clone building facility, just is refusing to to talk. And it's the prime minister that volunteers, well, if you want her to talk, you have to find this young girl clone right? uh, that's very special to her, Omega. And it's just sort of like, oh.
1: It's weird, the monster, though. Mm -hmm. I guess this is something that Chancellor Palpatine was putting together before he became the emperor. And they were working on this. Is this something that they're going to use as a, a a weapon to take over other planets? I
0: do not know what to tell you know. But again, we we've clearly been introduced. And to this how animal. is it clone?
1: How is it dealing with clones though? Is it is it? Did they just form this animal? Is it a clone of something else? Does it have the the, the brain of? I don't know. It's it's a good setup to where I think the last episode will probably be going
0: yeah and we are coming up on the 12th episode of this season uh, this coming week and after that we got four more so yeah i don't know i'm 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 getting concerned about omega and what are the point i'm i'm really starting to worry about sid that they just keep sort of hinting at she's going to turn she's going to turn on them and and again, I so enjoy Rhea Perlman's vocal Amen. performance. And the, the character is great when she
1: realizes that these people, she's better off with them and not mm-hmm. turning them against her.
0: Now, speaking of turning, we now turn to The Mandalorian, season three, first episode, wow. The
1: Apostate. Well, first of all, I don't remember this being in seasons one and two. I have to look back, and I definitely know not season one. But this is basically a prologue. I mean, it is just setting us up for what's coming up. It's like it's like doing, you know, you have to know this before you see the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's it takes basically place on Navarro, which looks like a very cleaned up version of Disneyland. Not not Batu, but basically Disneyland. I mean, you now got the the monkey lizards in the trees and not being barbecued. Mm. You've got mm-hmm. um, people happy. Everything's nice and clean. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids are learning in their school. I mean, it's it's really kind of shocked me to see how great this set looks like now. Because isn't this the first thing we saw in um, the very first show?
0: You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, it just it, I think it was worth it alone to see... Carl Weathers oh. as the respected figure, with, with with his two droid attendants keeping his cape off the ground. <laughs> Wasn't that great? And I didn't yeah. see it
1: first of all. I didn't. I didn't yeah. see it right away. You only mm-hmm. just notice him when he's walking away, and you just see yeah. these things. Falling, and you're going, "What the
0: heck?" That's the thing well. when you you become a respected f- figure in society and, and people expect you're a leader, you got to look like a leader. So, right. you know, dress the part. So.
1: Well, okay, and that wasn't even the beginning. That was when he, mm-hmm. um Din Djarin, mm-hmm. went to Navarro. But mm-hmm. the beginning, mm-hmm. what did it do? First of all, we didn't hear the, the theme music and mm-hmm. all the the helmets were just mm-hmm. from the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Except for Darth. You always have to throw Darth in there. But everything mm-hmm. else was just from the Mandalorian. You know, when they go through all the helmets at the mm-hmm. beginning. And all we heard, we heard something being made.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we, heard, we saw it was a Mandalorian helmet. Now, mm-hmm. right away, did you think this was a flashback? Or did you think this was in real time?
0: Initially, and knowing how Mando actually became a Mandalorian... You know, and it was the whole notion of, oh, are, are we watching that ceremony? You know, are we watching that moment? And then the fake out. Right. right. No, you're not. <laughs> well, but but
1: first of all, there were a lot of Death Watch there. Remember when he went with the the Dark Saber? There were only a couple of them. And she said, mm-hmm. our, our numbers have diminished. So again, mm-hmm. that was like showing us that, okay, where are we now? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But did you know the actor, the kid who was getting the helmets? Mm-hmm. Same kid who played the Tuscan Raider boy. Oh, okay. And it's Jimmy Kimmel's nephew. <laughs> well,
0: okay, so yeah. clearly Favreau, you know. The, exactly. The, the, the favors keep coming. That's cool. That's cool. Okay.
1: And they talk about it in that interview, too. He goes, Yeah, okay. my nephew's in it. He goes, Oh yeah, he can't you know, somebody needed a Tuscan Raider kid, so mm. we came That'd up to out. him. But yeah, so the beginning was the the creature is technically called a mm-hmm. dinosaur turtle. Mm-hmm. So it has no neat Star Wars name. It's just it's called the Dinosaur Turtle. Now, mm-hmm. to me, I was trying to figure out because you know, remember the credits? They showed mm-hmm. the illustration, and it looked like mm-hmm. a turtle, but this thing mm-hmm. looked like a crocodile. So what I'm thinking is, it was easier to have the mm-hmm. long snout of grabbing things and eating things in CGI than having mm-hmm. the the turtle little mouth thing.
0: You're probably not wrong there. I mean, it, again, you know, that's one of the things that's so enjoyable about these. Art of the Mandalorian books, and you know, or, or for that matter, I, I just got a copy of the Art of Avatar: The The Way of Water. Just two watches; they're exploring ideas, and just sort of like, oh, we're in post, and right. that isn't going to work at all. Okay, change change the design, you know. So, but what I think was was more important about this opening was the notion of, I mean, here Mando comes and saves the day, and. Right. But still gets that reaction to the effect of almost no thank you. no one of us so
1: you can't you, d- do this. Uh, there was yeah. uh, there was really no thank you. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, he went in there, he talked to her, and mm-hmm. actually, didn't she didn't she like kind of hug him when he was leaving? Or at least you got the feeling that she was grateful that he saved that he saved the day. Mm-hmm. Or that at least he was going to become a Mandalorian again if he could find this the rivers.
0: If what you're saying is true, this 30 minute long episode is prologue. It set up the situation, it reminded you of where things left off last season. Right. And we'll get to the Bo Katan section in a moment. But the whole notion of, in order for Mando to sort of reinsert himself back into the world that he knows and that he really wants to be a part of. He's going to have to go back to Mandalore. He's going to have to find the spring and bathe himself. And, but in much the same way, as we were talking about the chess pieces used in the bad batch, what was kind of interesting with this particular episode of The Mandalorian, it's like, well, let me introduce you to the chess pieces. You know, it's not a question of they're even moving around the board. It's like we have a pirate character that we haven't met before who's clearly going to be somebody that Mando's going to have to deal with as he's doing these things.
1: Doing their best Bill Nighy, too.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) But at the same time, the whole notion of in order to fix IG-11, you know, we need a part. You know, right. and you so know, that's going to be a
1: side quest. It's like you're playing a video game. You're yeah. trying to get to the big boss, and what? Mm-hmm. And now you've got a side quest to find a fish.
0: Mm-hmm. And what was fascinating was to watch the reaction online about this show, and people grousing about the very thing you said. It, it's prologue. Yeah, you know, and it's just sort of like well, from a story construction point of view. Yeah, you do sometimes have to set up the dominoes. It can't just be dominoes falling down. And you had two of the best action scene
1: sequences that have been in this whole series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had true. you had the fighting of the the dinosaur, mm-hmm. you had mm-hmm. the um the asteroid field. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. so I, what, what are they complaining about because no story was finished, it was just set mm-hmm. up. I do have one question, though. The armorer. In the other seasons, you saw mm-hmm. her, and mm-hmm. she looked like she was wearing some kind of fur coat. Here, it actually looked like it was her hair coming out of her helmet.
0: You know, I didn't notice that. I guess we're going to have to go back. Yeah, and get that because look. I
1: don't know why all of a sudden I even asked my, my wife... And um, actually, I had to wake her up to, to look at it. And um, she did not, she said, no, she's wearing a fur coat. And I'm going, I don't know, that kind of looks like there's split ends to me.
0: Well, remember, we've always seen her indoors. Yeah. And, and oh, in that's right. Subterranean caverns and space outposts kind of a thing. So this is the first time we've seen her in, in sunlight. Yeah. So, so
1: yeah, maybe. And of course, Baby Yoda does his Baby Yoda stuff. And it, Mm -hmm. you know, when he's, when he and the, um, and, and that, how do you say it? And zillions, and zillions, the little guys. Yep. Mm -hmm. And how he just wants to hug them because they're, they're smaller than he is.
0: Favreau and Filoni know what they have with that character. And the beauty of, Grogu is that you can play him for comic relief, but at the same time you can, on a dime, when that character is threatened, you, you can tug the audience's heartstrings. I oh, mean they- he
1: is the greatest character that I've ever seen, and then, and he's still, you know, all his merchandise it just flies off the the shelves.
0: Speaking of which, you included as part of your uh, research material earlier Mandomania. <laughs> yeah, so a Grogo Tamagotchi? Did I get that? Yeah, right? wouldn't that be great? I don't know whether I'm going
1: to get one. I had a Tamagotchi at one time, and mm-hmm. um, oh my God, if that thing was hungry, wherever you were, it was beeping at you. And I killed mm-hmm. a couple of them. I murdered my Tamagotchi, so I don't know if I want to murder a baby Yoda.
0: I think there would be grave consequences. So we already have the, the, the word about episode two of season three. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Really well, but good that's and fine a then. much longer episode. If they so. just
1: wanted to just give, wet my whistle, okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, okay. I have no doubt that that, I mean, not only did they wet our whistle, but they did give us two really great set pieces. And they they brought in the Anzalians. And they, they brought back in Grief. They brought in, you know, people that you're going to see. Oh, and of course, mm-hmm. the very last scene mm-hmm. with Bo-Katan. This is true. Now, I'm watching this and I'm, you know, my first view of it, I'm going, oh my God, is this going to be it? Mm-hmm. But no, I, I'm I'm thinking they got to bring her back because you can't waste, first of all, you can't waste a character because it's one of the best from mm-hmm. the um, Clone Wars series. And mm-hmm. second of all, you have Katie Sakaloff. And and just just to see her sitting in the throne Mm -hmm. with her leg up, like Mm -hmm. you know what, I don't care anymore. You're Mm -hmm. just you're watching. You're going, oh my god, she does Mm -hmm. care, Mm -hmm. and she wants that. She wants. She needs the dark saber.
0: She does, but again, it's it's threading that needle, creating a logical way for her to get access. To And again, it's it's the own mythos of Mandalore to the effect of it has to be taken in battle, it has right. to be earned, can't be handed off.
1: Is there any chance that things can change with the Mandalorians? Can we get the Death Watch to agree maybe taking off the helmet is not a bad thing? Can we get, you know... The uh, Do you think it's going in that direction, or do you think it's still Death Watch against everybody else?
0: Well, look at the title of this, the first right, episode. Right. Uh, the Apostate. This is a religious offense. They want nothing to do with him because he has not followed the tenets of their their world and so we are in the hands of two wonderful storytellers right john Favreau and, and dave filoni and i trust these guys so it's like okay let it unfold the way it's supposed to and, and to give you some idea of you know the type of guys we're dealing with here think about what just got also got handled in in the process of this episode we we find out where Dune is you know that that Right. Wonderful character that had to leave the show because the actress couldn't keep her mouth shut.
1: Do you think? Do you think maybe they're going to recast her, because there, there is another um, character coming up that is played by another MMA um, female fighter, and are they going to make her d- Dune, or are they going to just bring in another character like her?
0: I don't know. I know that, you know, there were definitely plans. In fact, there was a certain frustration at Lucasfilm about how that whole situation went down that they really wanted to work with that actress. They really had plans. On the other hand, you know, Mof Gideon, you know, the whole notion of, oh, well, you know, he he's off in a war tribunal and it, it's just sort of like, oh, we're seeing him again. You can't have that great an actor and that stronger character without you know him coming back on the canvas at some point. I just don't know if it's going to be part of the season four you discussed earlier. Which, by the way, I know you mentioned that production is getting started in October right. of this year, but you neglected to mention that season four is written. It's done. Right, it's I done. Mean, yeah, He's done, and he's even
1: thinking about where am I going to go beyond this. That's amazing. But I don't know. That's I amazing. just, I think that when we get the mandalorian we we get when the bad batch is the the direction it's going it's really making things exciting again for star wars and you can see it in the interviews you can mm-hmm. see it in the fact that they want to say this is a collaboration i hope they show a lot of they stream a lot of the the english um star wars celebration that's coming up soon right that's coming up in is it may
0: I want to say yes. I'll have to check on the okay. dates. Okay,
1: and I mean, because I'll be in front of my TV watching that my mm-hmm. my seventy-seven-inch TV. But you got a big TV too that you can watch it on.
0: Uh, yeah, if I could, I could get Nancy to to watch something other than Hallmark movies. But well,
1: you know what? I wouldn't mind if they charged us too. If they want to charge mm-hmm. us fifty bucks to see mm-hmm. every single panel whenever we want, fine, do that. It could
0: be a pay-per-view. This has been the discussion. For the better part of ten years now, when it comes to Comic Con, right. you know, the the whole notion of you know, whenever it gets discussed, the studio is pushed back to the effect of no, we want the excitement of you know you you could only see this in a Hall Age, and and just what frustrates me no end is they say that, and then thirty seconds after the presentation in Hall Age is over. The trailer, yeah. you know, uh, invariably whatever is debuted in that room is available online. That yes, you do occasionally get to see pieces of film that don't then don't show up for months anywhere else. I mean, if you're in a whole H, you get to see that. But yes, the the there's been a number of folks, especially during uh, the pandemic, to the effect of you want the heat, make the material available online. Yeah. But,
1: All it takes is one person to do it, and then everybody's gonna follow suit. So oh, um it, when they see they can make money on it mm-hmm. it's all about the money.
0: Yeah, but you got to remember that we we are living in a moment where everybody did the Oklahoma land rush into right. streaming. Right. And now everybody's suddenly retrenching because it's like you said we'd make money doing this and it's like well yeah, eventually. Well, anyway, we'll we'll just have to see how this plays out. So I guess that's going to do it for this edition of looking at Lucasfilm. But if you enjoyed uh, Brian's insights into all things Lucasfilm and that sort of thing, well, uh, where can they find you uh, social media wise? Still,
1: Brian? I, I'm trying to look at other uh, options, mm-hmm. but still going to be um, Twitter at uh, mm-hmm. Geek with Children mm-hmm. C H I L D R. N. Mm. and um, i know it's confusing i even i can't find it sometimes but yeah that's where i can be found and where can we find you
0: i'm on twitter i'm instagram at jim hill media and over on facebook is jim hill media news also have a couple other shows uh, if you 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 want to check those out uh we of course have disney dish with Luntesta. we also have Fine tuning uh, that I do with Drew Taylor, uh, and hopefully, do, uh, Drew and I will be getting together also while I'm out in California. And by the way, Drew has a, a wonderful podcast, uh, Light Diffuse, that is about the Mission Possible movies and John Wick. Uh, in fact, we've got John Wick 4 just coming over the horizon there. Uh, we also have uh, Marvelous Disney, uh, which I do with Aaron Adams. And Aaron, by the way, has launched uh, his own uh, satellite uh, podcast as well, 32nd Street, which is about the world of advertising. That's worth checking out there. I'll tell you what, folks, if you could do Brian and I a favor, if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend looking at Lucasfilm, that would be very, very helpful. That's going to do it for this week, folks. Thanks for listening, and we will be back soon.